What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast. And today, we have a really, really, really special guest in the building. Listen, this man is all the way from the UK and has been in the business from 1980. One of his biggest songs worldwide is a song named Boom Shakala. He's worked with many of your favorite artists like Shaggy, Sean Paul, Maxi Priest, Byron and Tony Gold. He's also worked with Bobby Digital and so much more. You know, we have in the building today we have apache indian in the building today what's going on big boss yo yo big respect thank you thank you very much for that yeah great to be with you muscle yeah nice toronto one of my favorite places in the world and it's always a pleasure man it's always a pleasure thank you thank you so much thank you so very much for joining us here today on the entertainment report podcast beautiful beautiful you know what it's all about spreading the love and the music and there's so much you know people know my music but they don't know too much about me so it's nice to talk to people personally and, you know, people from the city that understand the scene and, you know what I mean? So it's all love people. Anyone, anyone who's listening, thank you so, so much for tuning in. It's going to be inspiring. I know that already. <laughs> definitely. Thank you so much. So definitely on this program, we usually like to go from the beginning and bring it right up to 2021. So my usual first question is this, where did you grow up and what inspired you to look to music in the first place? Okay, so I grew up in a place called Birmingham in, here in the UK. Uh, it's called the Second City, for people that don't know, the Second City right next to London. Uh, right in the centre of the country, it's called the West Midlands. It's a great city. It's a great city and, 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 and a, a town called Hansworth. Um, which, and the whole town, you know, the whole, you know, the, 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 I grew up in diversity. I do, grew up in different cultures, cultures from, from India, from Pakistan, from Asia, from the Caribbean, from the Windrush generation. So it's a melting pot of culture from Jamaica to India. And, you know, my parents are from India. Uh, and so I grew up in, I grew up in Hansworth. And in fact, when my parents went to work, when they first came over, they went to work and I was dropped off the nanny next door and she was Jamaican. For the, yeah. So there you go. So first five years of my life, eight hours a day in a Jamaican household. So, you know, it wasn't just music. It was understanding of culture, of language. Um, so later on when we say, yeah, I'm a lot of reggae music and everything, you have, to, you have to trace it back yourself and say, well, Look, look, you know, where I spent my, you know, the early years where you learn your language, you learn your culture, and then go into an Indian household, different sound, different language. And so then that became my music. Um, but going back to Birmingham and Hansworth growing up, it's, it's, a, it's a city uh, where it's known for UB40, you know, one of the biggest reggae groups in the world. It's a white group, so it shows diversity really from the 70s and the 80s. Uh, Maccabee, Pato Banton. Um, I, I went to the same school as uh, Steel Pulse. Um, they're from Birmingham, Hansworth, Hansworth Revolutions. Musical youth past the dotty and the, you know so wow you know all that alongside all the you know the the, the Indian culture the, the 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 pop scene as well so yeah man every everything was infused to represent that multiculture in my music and then you know my my music went into the charts reggae Asian and pop charts uh, so it just reflected more than music it reflected a, a you know to try to find our, our identity in in the whole of that you know so yeah man first generation Asian born in the UK trying to find my roots and, and culture and, and find it through music, find my voice through music, find identity through music, and then to share that with the world uh, and to make our presence felt in the UK and, and globally. Definitely. And how did you even discover your voice in the first place? I really grew up on the sound systems. You know, I mean, I love reggae music from early, grew up with Bob Marley uh, and all the influences that I told you about. A lot of cassettes from Jamaica, the yard sounds, you know, I mean, Kilimanjaro, Supercat and everything. I fell in love with all that. Um, and it was really the sound systems. Um, if, if it wasn't for sound, you wouldn't see me. 
really, because it's the first time where you can go in front of people. You got the mic in your hand, a man push you for go on with your thing, and it's only only through that uh, you go to the studio and say, "Let me just see if I can make a one record." You know what I mean? But a lot of a lot of singers and DJs were probably ninety percent of them from reggae come from sound. So um, you know, over the years, I always say that you know we need to bring the MCs and and, uh, and singers back on sound. Uh, because because that's where a lot of us got the break. And, and if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be around. And yet I'm, I'm enjoying the 30-year industry. So the sound was a great platform. It was a great platform for artists. So we need to bring that back. But yeah, that's what inspired me to make my first record, the audience reaction, the little push. But as a little, as an Indian youth, it was different. You know what I mean? So I wanted to bring my little Indian sound and language and make it my own. So bring contribute to reggae music as opposed to just let me I'll jump on that. You know what I mean? Let, let's make it special. And then that was shared by, you know, then obviously later with the Asian communities around the world, it became a, a global success. But it was, just a per, it was just a personal, it wasn't a formula for success. It was a personal journey. So, okay. yeah, man, very, yeah. Very much so. Okay. And then you say you started out on sound systems. Mm-hmm. What sound did you actually start on? And how, how easy or how hard was it for them to take you serious? Say, okay, you know what? I really want to try this. I really want to do this. Yeah, so the first sound that I set up was Sunset. It was a little sound system called Sunset. A couple of bucks we would buy from the sound man, and build up a, a little disco thing and playing at the parties and stuff. And then what happened is I bought a little van, a little truck. You know, we take my sound around. And, and what happened, and my name is Steve, and everyone said, yeah, man, call Steve to carry the sound. So I ended up carrying every other sound to different dances and blues and up and down the stairs and lifting boxes and making boxes and buying. So I think over the years, people realize that, you know, I mean, we just have a passion for sound, have a passion for the community, just to be around, to listen, to learn, to watch. I never said I wanted to be an MC or a DJ, just wanted to get involved, learn, learn the trade, you know, getting, you know, just a passion hobby, if you like, you know what I mean? And, and then eventually it was, it was um, what it was, I was in a dance, it was a blues party and, and, and before anyone came in, I was on the mic just messing about check, check, and I look at DJ thing, I go on and, and there was nobody in the room and the manager came in with it. He goes, who's that on the mic? That's Steve, Steve, the India, the sound man, the, the van man. I go on, to, I mean, so, and then uh, what happened was I went back to, I went, I went in the van, I went to sleep. So I usually catch a sleep. And so they woke me up at like two o'clock in the morning, one o'clock in the morning. And Steve, come, come back in, man. Come back. I said, what, what is it? He said, no, dance ram. And whatever you did earlier, you have to do again. So, so I literally went in the dance. It was a ram. I mean, just going there with the lyrics now. And I just got a big forward, you know what I mean? So they loved it. There was a lot of encouragement. Um, you know, a little maybe a little novelty with India, but you know what? I was just I loved it. They gave me the chance. There was there wasn't many Indian or white people in the dances them days, but we felt proud. We felt a part of this culture. Why shouldn't I be there? Just like anybody else, you know what I mean? So um, yeah, got a great response, and and then actually that that got me into the studio to make that record. So big respect to the sounds, man. Okay, so you were basically on a smaller song, and then you went straight to studio. So you didn't really go through like the bigger songs, also. No, I, I had my own little sound, but what happened was when people started calling me to take their sounds around, I took everybody, I mean, from Wasifa to Family Tree to all the big sounds you hear, in, in, whatever. Um, and then it's from that, you know, I got involved with all the bigger sounds and ended up on their sound, you know what I mean, on the, on the bigger sounds. I learned about dub plates and specials and all that thing there. And, but it came right from stringing up sound, lifting boxes, and, you know, the, so they saw me doing that for about three, four years, working up towards the, the courage behind the mic, you know what I mean? So, yeah, there was a lot of encouragement, a lot of support. And we relied on each other a lot then because there was a lot more community um, kind of 
just a lot more community sense of community because we didn't have phones we didn't have internet so you have to go and meet people talk to people so i i love that you know i miss that i miss that um and i hope so we can bring some of those elements back into the industry because the industry changed the world changed you know what i mean so we have to counteract that change and and come forward you understand 100%. All right. So what was it like your first night on a big sound system? And what sound system was this? Yeah. So the sound system was, um, uh, it was, it was called then, it was called Orthodox 38. And now it's called Live Wire. And big sound man from Birmingham called Wooligan. And he's a highly respected man from Birmingham. And in fact, later on, he went on to produce the song Boom Shakalak. Right, you see, that's how far we go back, and that's how we keep it Birmingham. So he produced that song, yeah. yeah. So yeah, Wooligan, big respect to Wooligan. Everyone knows him. Big heavyweight sound system, man. You know what I mean? And inspired enough of us engineers, sound man, bands, man, everything. So um, yeah, man. If it wasn't for, and he was the one that put the mic in my hand that night. So yeah, man. Look where it started from, and you know, and he ended up producing that song. So. Um, you know, the love is there, the blessings are there, and it goes a long, long way. So anytime I go anywhere, I will always talk about the journey. I will always talk about how important those early years was uh, and to tell people that nothing happens overnight. You have to work at your craft. Uh, and, you know, people see me on the here, the journey, and many, you know, chart hits and everything, but it came from 10 years of sound, you know what I mean, from 14 to 24 before even released the record, you know what I mean? So, yeah, man, it was the love from the community, the love from the black community, the Asian community. Um, just to be, and just w- wanting to be free, wanting to find my, as I said, identity, culture, and why shouldn't we celebrate? And then that sound thing taught me culture. It taught me to be like a news reporter, say something like one, let's talk about it. And I didn't really, I didn't really hear that from the, you know, the Indian communities. That, that is different kind of music, like more jubilant, like, you know, coming from Bollywood, you wanted to be happy, bright. I get that. But what reggae did was make you talk about something like Bob Marley or the MC, something's going on in the news, this is what's going on, knife crime, goblin crime. So what I did was I wrote songs about the Asian culture, like, you know, arranged marriages, caste system, whatever it may be, but in that conscious sense that reggae taught me, if you like. So I took that to Indian music. And yeah, no one talked about those subjects. And then people wanted those subjects to be spoken about, you know what I mean? So music is that platform to share, to care, to enlighten, to educate, educate yourselves, to share all, all, all your emotions. It's not just look at me, I'm the man. You know what I mean? You have to tell people who are going, you have that voice. So people have to take that industry serious, man, even more serious now in this day and age. You understand 1,000%. All right, before we even get to the recording studio, I want to ask you one more thing about sound system. You, you said it was about a 10-year, you were on sound system for about 10 years. What yeah. was it like the first night when you DJed with like probably like a Brigadier Jerry or even a Supercat or somebody that you used to listen to on these cassettes that were coming up, and then the first night you and them actually got to pass the mic between each other. What was that like? And who was well, it? Yeah, well, you know what? I, I think I, I've been really, really blessed because um, I grew up on my name. Apache comes from Supercat himself, you know what I mean? Apache Supercat and, you know, Apache Indian because I'm Indian. But yeah, he's my idol. And he, I grew up listening to Supercat and Nicodemus on, you know, all the cassettes from gyro to stereograph and all that so um yeah so i asked i was asked to do my first international performance in toronto and on the way to toronto i had already made a link to shaggy and robert livingston and the man there and they said oh if you're going to toronto why don't you pass up in new york because we have a we have a dancer going with Supercat, frankie paul shabba ranks and we'd love you to come and guest on it i said no that's my first international gig and we said yeah and that's exactly what happened. I, I went to New York. I, I guested on a show with Supercat and Frankie Paul, and the, you know the Michaels. They were passing. It was just a dream. I recently posted those pictures on uh, 
on Instagram only a couple of months ago because I, I was celebrating. You know what I mean? I said, look, all the people inspired me. So that was the official first time, first international dance, and it couldn't be better. You know what I mean? Blessings from the great man them still. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, I never forget it. Yeah, so... That started off the journey. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's crazy. Especially as you said, you're you're beside Supercat, Frankie Paul, all these guys that yeah. you listen to, you liked what they were doing. They helped you form your style. Now we're standing shoulder to shoulder, passing Mike. That feeling that yeah, you can't describe something like something like that. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And you know, just the feeling of doing that, and the words, and the wisdom, and the blessings for your career. Um, you know, and 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 again, I've met them many times since that time. I met Tr Supercat again in Trinidad with Cotty Ranks, and did a big show at the Oval, a uh, big festival there in Trini. Uh, yeah, man. So we we get the blessings. You have to come correct. You know, I mean, it's always respect to those man. Them, it's not a no competition. You wouldn't be here even without them. So you have to make a point to make them know that you know you inspired them. You know, they inspired me from early. Uh, certain songs changed my life. And, and, and inspires me to want to do the same. So you have to pay respect where, where it's due. You know what I mean? Always. Agree 100%. All right. You say you were on to your first international date. Okay. Yeah. And that was coming to my place right here, Toronto. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah. What was that like, your first international date? Wow. It's, it's pretty amazing because I came to Toronto um, and there was a... Uh, I was already, I think we had three number ones in the UK already in the Asian charts, reggae charts, and it was a big thing in Toronto. You know, communities, again, grew very similar, you know, with, you know, very diverse, very multicultural. So you're giving them some of that and you're thinking, okay, wow. So it was an instant success in Toronto. Thank you for every everyone in Toronto. But there were Indian gigs, not even reggae gigs. And the first time ever the Indian kids are coming to the daytimers. And it caused a lot of controversy, may I tell you, you know what I mean? Because there was queues of kids. And literally people, you know, some of the parents were coming out from the, you know, saying, why, 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 I mean, how come we, who's here? And and I think it was just something new and people weren't sure of it. But when they understood me and what I was representing, it was cool. But then it was kind of, wow. But yeah, man, um, Toronto did a few shows. Every show was rammed. All those kids are now grown up and grown up with it. So they've been a part of that movement and journey. Um, it was just crying out to be something different, crying out, crying out to be cool in, in a world where, you know, you maybe don't have Indian people, or, you know, in the charts or in the movies or on TV. So you want to be cool like everybody else. And that's what that gave them, the identity also around the world. So, yeah, man, big respect to Toronto. And, and I know one of my songs, Arranged Marriage, was number one over there. We did lots of record signings and much music. And so it went, it, it went, yeah, we did all that. So we came from, you know, a local reggae Asian thing to hit the charts in Toronto. So give thanks for that. I really, really give thanks for that. And what year was it that you, you came to Toronto the first time? The first time I came was 1991. And then I signed to Island Records in 92. And, and then I've been there a few years since, I mean, many times since that time. Okay, so you came to Toronto before you had the massive hit, Boom Shakalak. Yeah, way before that, yeah. Toronto was the first place that called me, the first place, and my, my, still my favorite place in the world. And the people that brought me over there, there were six college kids, and they're still friends today. So we all grew up together. Uh, I know all the children, we've kept in touch. They know my children. So look at that family thing. Um, and we all met each other around the world. You know, we went to each other's weddings. So yeah, man, it's I love Toronto just like that, man, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy because even how did you, what did you have out at that time where they said, you know what, we want to bring it over to Toronto. What songs did you have out at that time? It, it was the first three songs. Um, the first song I released myself actually was called Movie Over India. And we said, we're going to make a movie man over India, playing away, we make a Indian airline. So, you know what I mean? Like kind of Nicodemus kind of style. 
And um, yeah, it went to number one in the reggae charts, Asian charts. The second one was Chuck Day, number one in the Bombay chart. In the and me, I tear them apart. And when we come, we bring a new stylist. So listen, call the people know you, if you follow me, Chuck Day. You know what I mean? Them tune there. And the third song was Don Raja. Me are the Don. Me are the Don Raja. Me are the Don. Me are the Don. Say Don Raja. You know, say this are you, man. Me are the Raja. Me so yeah, man, them, so them three tunes were bossing number one everywhere. And I'm going to say, yeah. So that gave me identity. I was mixing my language, my culture, my sound, uh, and people accepted it. And, you know, back in the day, you have to remember, say, it wasn't about the internet or the phone. So people didn't know who you was, what color you was, what religion you was. So it was about the music. And now it's about everything else. Now you want to see what man looks like, how much followers he has. And, and it's not even about the music. So I, I tell people, go back to the music, hide your face, because that's a secondary. Don't let a man judge your music because... You know, it's easier for let him go on with the record and and then and that's what the thing was. I mean, back in the day, if you didn't like the record, why would you want to know about the artists? So make it about the music, you know, blow that up and make it and everyone said, Why who's that? Where's that from? So they can't judge you. Is it from Jamaica? Is it from India? Is it Indian? Is it a black guy? Is it two people? Is it let them go on, man? So so people leave something for the leave something to later when it comes to, you know, even promo if you want to call it, make it about the music. Make it about the music and uh, and yeah, it was about that. It was about that. So they couldn't judge me. They couldn't. They just judge a record, and it went up in the charts. And then afterwards, as I said, um, I, I already started getting called around the world, and Toronto was the first place. I love that. I love that. That's crazy. And this is '91 here, so this is pre getting signed to um, Island Records. That's right. After the first three number ones in the UK, it was a big thing. Within from 1989 was the first single. Um, 91, 1991. So then 92, I got offered lots of record deals from all the big labels. I mean, I said, boy, <laughs> what's going on? I think they just saw something new um, and, and they saw the reaction in the UK and around the world. And yeah, man, I got, I got offered a quarter of a million pound deal by Island Records, Universal Records. <laughs> yeah. Bob Marley's, yeah, Bob Marley's record label. And, 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 and um, Shakadimi suppliers and you know everyone signed to them and 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 the first question they said said to me Chris Blackwell and everyone said yeah boy so okay so we need to know that you like reggae and you understand this thing yeah good I says yeah we're sending you we're sending you on the first flight to Jamaica next week I say all right so what's the mission they say yeah as you land you're gonna go straight to Tough Gong Sly and Robbie's waiting for you same with the Bob Marley team and you have to record your album there and then you have to go above it digital and say yeah wow I mean to me it wasn't pressure it was a dream you know me <laughs> say so exact, that's exactly what happened. I, I went on the first flight. I went to Jamaica. I met Sly and Robbie. I recorded a couple of songs in Tough Gong Studios, met the whole family. Um, big respects. I've met them many, many times since. So the early blessings again. People just say, why Bob Marley's just standing in that same spot, you know, and I say, you know, I just feel blessed. I mean, Sly and Robbie's in the greatest duo that, you know, legendary. I grew up with that as well. Grew up with them, their names too, Black, right from Black Uru days. And, 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 um, and obviously, then I went over to see Bobby Digital, late great Bobby Digital, who's passed away since. So it's nice to you know get the blessings. Worked with Anthony Redrose, worked with a lot of people, just a lot of love, yeah, a lot of love. And I found out a lot about Jamaica, uh, a lot about how many Indian people are in Jamaica. Yes. I never realized, you know, what I mean, so much Indian people, and then the history of the roots of that came back from India. And so it was just it was just a great place to go after listening to the music and knowing about the culture and being so close to the culture in the UK. So to go there was special to do that was amazing. So I came back with it with an album that I then finished off in the UK. Um, it was called No Reservations. They released it in in, in, uh, in, uh, in 1992. Had Maxi Priest on the album, who actually was singing uh, one verse, he sang in Indian uh, in, a, in a song called For Real. So, okay. and, that was, and that was in the charts, so that you, you can hear that on the first album, For Real. 
um, Frankie Paul was on the first album. Um, you know, the first album we had already four top four, top 20 hits in the UK, National Hits, arranged Married Chuck there. Chuck there, we featured Shaggy. There's a mix of sh- with Shaggy. So, yeah, man, I mean, there was a lot of a lot of support. Look at all that support from from the black and from the reggae fraternity and the industry. That That is so, so amazing because, uh, you know, I love reggae. But I always wanted, as I said, take my my passion and my culture, my roots with it. And hence, we had a massive support then in India. Some of the, you know, after Toronto and after being signed and after being the British charts, the fourth single, which was the first single on Island Records, was then Arranged Marriage, which was number 16 in the UK. We were at the top of the pops, Jules Holland, all the biggest TV shows. I performed at Jules Holland with Shabba Ranks' band. Shabba Ranks was there as well. So he performed with me and... So, you know, I I met all the artists, I did so many things. So it it wasn't always just about me, it was about contributing to industry, about doing those collabs or trying to support, go go back and support. But yeah, within the space of um, a year or two with Island Records, I I started touring the world um, because we were signed globally to Universal. So everybody blew it up all over the world. It was just incredible, incredible journey. Crazy, crazy, crazy. You spoke about going to Jamaica and working with Sly and Robbie and Bobby Uh Digital. In these sessions now, you've heard the music, everything was great. How was it actually working with them? Give me a story or some memory that you remember, especially somebody like a Bobby Digital back then, where you're brand new, you have no idea how the process yeah. works in Jamaica, opposed to how it works in the UK. Give me a story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, very, very, I mean, so many stories, very, very different vibe in Jamaica. I mean, in, in England, it's very tense and you're in a room alone. In Jamaica, there's a lot of people around. It's a vibe thing, you know what I mean? And you go to, I mean, Bobby's Digital was more kind of really street, a lot of people hanging outside and here I read them and come in. And, and if, you, if you're stuck with somebody, man, I help you with that thing. And yeah, man, Indian, take it up there. And so there's so much. So in England, you can't even come in the session. This door's locked. You know what I mean? So in Jamaica, it's all about getting the vibe, capturing that vibe, and then put it on record. You know what I mean? Sly and Robbie was more closed off session, very professional. You know what I mean? So they'd be in there and and Sly would come in and make the beat first. You know what I mean? Drop the beat and drop the beat. And when, and then Robbie would just come in and switch the lights off and plug his guitar and close his eyes and boo, 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 doo, doo. And he's just, <laughs> just incredible, just incredible watching them work, watching that synergy. Uh, and then, you know, I forgot who he was coming to look at guitar riff and just very more professional, but still vibes, still so much vibe in the place. Capture the vibe, put the TV on even. I remember all his MTV being on silent, quiet, but if you see something that cats something, you put it up and you say, yeah, could be a word that comes off there, which inspires you. So it could be anything, but it's very much of a vibe. Um, uh, and I, I didn't feel like I'm on my own. You know, in the UK, you feel like on your own. You have a beat and you have a right to tune on. In Jamaica, it's just complete. If someone's got an idea or suggestion, they don't worry about publishing or writing. They just come in and want the best thing for the night. And unless unless you get that reaction straight away, that's the testing ground for the record. If you get a good reaction, a good record. You know what I mean? If you don't get the reaction, you start again, you go on with the next thing. <laughs> but yeah, just a great experience, which then I took those kind of you know ways of working back to the UK. Uh, so it's not so stuffy in the UK. So yeah, man, open the door and let the sun come in and feel the vibes and let the music run and let's feel this rhythm before we, because music changes your life. Give it that time. Give it that time. Feel, feel it. And then if you don't feel it, no one else is going to feel it after that. You know, you have to feel it first. You know what I mean? You understand. Yeah. Wow. And what did it teach you about reggae music actually being in Jamaica at that time? There's something that you might've thought, but when you got there, it was a totally different perspective when you got to Jamaica. 
Yeah, I realize that reggae music is like almost like a religion in Jamaica. You know, what I mean, it's not just a music; it's a religion, it's a culture, it's a, it's a song that can get you, you know, uh, around the world. You know, it's a, what do you see in front of you that comes out of Jamaica? You know, I mean, music is you know, from a small island like that to make music like that has made an impact around the world like that. Wow, which other music from who has made such a global? I mean, I've been around the world, and you know, reggae has influenced everybody. Way, I mean, from the days of Mali. I mean, I can I go far and near Pakistan, India, Singapore, Malaysia. You go Philippines, you go, you will hear Bob Marley. You will see a, a T-shirt selling. So the religious factor, the culture factor, the giving back factor. Mm -hmm. So if someone's selling, a, someone's selling a Bob Marley T-shirt in the middle of Goa, some market somewhere, he hasn't got permission. But yet that Bob Marley T-shirt would sell because of his face. So someone's family is getting fed. So Bob Marley's still feeding the world. So it's more than, it's, they pay so much importance to music. They're, 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 it's a serious thing. It's not just that vibe. You know, when, when you caught that vibe, it's a serious, it's a serious, if you're messing about, you have to leave. There are no time for nothing. You know, no time for no time wasters. And I think that, that importance they pay to it, I, I love that. And I don't see that. I see that in other music, but I think it just means, I think it just means more from a small island um, to what they've done and what, what, you know, what that young kid can achieve. And, you know, he's seen many artists tour the globe with, with those records. And why, why can't he stand a chance? Why can't he get that chance and do that? Um, as well as many other things, but we all need to be inspired, right? Whether it's athletics, whether it's the fastest runner, whether it's whatever it may be. If you don't see it, you know, and if you don't see it, I, mean, I never saw many Asian people in the charts, well, none. So, I, you know, I, I, was in, I was inspired by people, but I want to inspire people to say, yes, of course we can do this. Of course we can be in the charts. Of course we can do that. Maybe against the grain. You maybe get a little bit of flack from your own culture, from other cultures, but, you know, nothing comes easy. Nothing comes If it's in your heart and God is on your side, the journey is there. And, and, and reggae music is a mission. You know, it's a mission. It's, it's, it doesn't come easy. Uh, many clubs around the world, when you start playing reggae, people are walking out. You know what I mean? Could we trying to break new ground. So I tell people, when you come in, come in the vibe, man. Come in the movement. Understand what it means. Take in that reggae. It's not just, I like it, I don't like it. Feel it. Feel it. Understand what it means. All these, you know, these words like peace and love and respect and all that. Which other music carries those slogans? It's not just slogans. It's real words. It's what they believe. It's how we move. If you're not moving with, with music and spreading love, what are you doing around the world? You're just singing your songs. What are you saying in between your records? What are you saying at the end of the show? You know, I, I did Reggae Sunsplash in Japan, 100,000 people. You can still see Tokyo with every reggae artist uh, under the sun from 20, you know, 14 cities. And I remember Rita Mali, I was always on just before Rita because we used to close the show with Rita and the I3s. And she said to me, Apache, look how much people out there. 100,000 people. He said, if your queen of your country was here, she wouldn't have all those people in front of us. So you make sure you said the right things. So it's, it's, it's about that inspiration. I mean, don't just go and sing your songs, people. Go and, what do you represent as a person, as a human being, as an artist? What are you saying in your interviews? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so that's what reggae taught me. Carry the word, carry the message that we're doing. It comes with music. It comes with reggae. It should come with every kind of music. Any music that promotes anything else, it's wrong. Music goes out to so much people. So bring, take love with it. Take your words of wisdom. Uh, you know, and, and I'll... I just, I just, as I said, I learned so much and, you know, so much comes out the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, some words come out the Bible, so many songs that people may miss. So I've included some of those things. I, I wrote a song, Om Namah Shivai, Hindu prayer song, and I included um, Psalm, uh, you know, so Psalms 91, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So then cleverly people say that's, a, you know, how you mix cultures and, and religions within music, but by making it real. 
So, because uh, uh, we grew up with Christianity in this country as well, as well as being Hindu, as well as all the, you know, we, we go to school and we're proud of our Christian, um, you know, all the teachings. So, so, so we embrace all that and it almost becomes a new religion. What's that new religion? Just to be a good person. You don't need to read that out of a book. You know, you know, we don't kill, rob, rape, we don't do nothing. And once you have that thinking, it's one God for us all and you go and spread that word, good over evil. It's either you're good or you're bad. It's not about the color of your skin or, or the God that you worship. It's, a, it's a, either a good person, bad person person you want around you to win you know you want them to win you want to give them confidence it's not just about you the world is for us we all have a place and we all have a responsibility to help each other so i'm sorry i'll talk too much you know but it's just passion passion passion. listen when you get somebody a guest like you you definitely just let's talk and i definitely want to hear what's in your mind because again as you said a lot of time people hear the music but they don't really know the man behind the music and that's Serious. the connections that we like to build so you have a deeper appreciation of what you do and why no you respect do it you understand respect. okay Thank you, so Thank then, you, yeah no problem at all so the first time jamaica you record your album you guys are doing good was this when you introduced bangra muffin no, the Bangra Muffin started right from the first record. Okay. Um, so, so right from Movie of India, there was there was an element of Indian sounds, and they call it Bangra Muffin because everyone knows that you know the, from Punjab you have the sound Bangra. So they said, yeah, Bangra and Ragamuffin. I never really liked that word really, but they say, yeah, <laughs> they, they, they couldn't find a word for it. So yeah, Bangra Muffin works. It was more Ragamuffin than Bangra, but so it goes. <laughs> I mean, so so every I mean, all the songs had elements of Indian sounds uh, from Movie of India, Chuck there, Don Raja. And then arranged marriage had a bit more of the Bangra sound. So we almost we also took the Bangra sound into the mainstream charts. So it was a big fusion of, you know, making history with them kind of reggae and fusion and something new. Uh, and so it was always there. And then later on, I could do songs that were completely reggae, if you want, or completely Indian or completely pop, because then you made your name and you made your mark. And um, so sometimes I've done many records where it would never be played in the reggae circles, completely Indian. And the other way around, some very hardcore dance art records and I would never really get played in certain other circles, which is great. It's a unique position to be in. You know, I mean, sometimes you collaborate with Luciano, and the next day you collaborate with Asha Bosley in India. You know, I mean, a big Hindi legendary singer. So it's a great position to be in, and it just shows music has no age, no color, no boundaries. Uh, you make it your own, and you go on, and you go on with it, and you push it, and, and inspire other people to just not do music, but that you can be different and successful. Don't you don't have to. Re- you don't have to follow the same. Let's be different. Let's think out the box, especially with the year that we've had. Let's go and do something different. The world changed. How did you change, people? How did you, what did you do to change? So, yeah, man, it's very, very important. As things change, we have to change and get stronger. 100% agreed. 100% agreed. Okay. Album torn and everything. Okay. So then now you came to your second album, or was your second album an EP? <laughs> That's a very good question. Yeah. So, yeah, the second album became, was an EP only because... We record. I recorded Boom Shakalak, and this and this, and it was my part of my second album. And they said, "Oh, we need to release this quick time," because uh, it was a summer. And we said, "No, no, I'm doing an album." They said, "No, no, let's just put it out as your first four tracks." You got any tracks? I said, "Yeah, I've done four. Let's put it out." So yeah, man, we like that. It was a summer. They put it out as EP, and then it came out on my second album. It did come out on the second. Yeah, it did come out on the second album. So it came out as a single, as an EP, and then that that blew up around the world, um, and that that was the global big hit. Yeah. What was it about that song in particular you think just took the entire globe by storm? Um, I just think it was a feel-good, fun song. Um, for people that don't know, um, it was on the back of the whole movement in the in the in, in the in the nineties where Shaggy had the Carolina, 
you know, I mean, that kind of 60s roots, um, you know, I mean, the kind of the different kind of groove. And then uh, Brian and Tony Gold had some compliments of you. Compliments, girl, of your kiss. So that same different groove. We said, all right. And then there was obviously the Tease Me, Tease Me, uh, 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 Shack and Emerson Plies and Twist and Shout. Um, so that was that kind of, I mean, say, yeah. I said, I would love to, you know what reggae is like? If there was a little vibe going on, you want to do your vibe. So my thing was that I did that song, but the other songs, every single song I mentioned was a cover version. Mine was an original song. So, so that's why I take, I take, I take, you know, a lot of pride out of that. So I'm going to write a new song based off that thing, but wanted to make it my own. Um, it was producer setting again in Birmingham. It was just something fun that we did in the summer. And, and I took it to the record company and they said, and they were kind of shocked them because it wasn't the Bangra Muffin thing. It wasn't the <laughs> dance art thing. I said, I said, yeah, man, it was just a little vibe. And they never, they actually didn't release it as an A-side. Um, so that's the true story. So, you know, you find out the real star in <laughs> They released it as a B-side mm-hmm. to a record which was called a- AIDS, AIDS Warning. Great song about AIDS. Mm-hmm. This is the one in to each other. Great, great song. You know what I mean? Because uh, they wanted to, I respect them because they never wanted to go for the big pop thing. They love the record still, but they wanted to keep it original. And we say, yeah, but <laughs> you can't, you know, when once a record's done and it's, it's, it's a vibe, you have to just run with it. So um, eventually it was Radio 1, the national radio station in this country. They, pl- they turned it over. They played the A-side. They the A listed it on the radio station, and that's our national station. And then record company ring me and said, "Why, Apache? I think we need to release this." We <laughs> say, "You're damn right." <laughs> and yeah, man, it, it came straight in the charts at number eight. I did top of the pops. He went to number five. Um, it's you know, it, it was a global hit around the world. Number one in Brazil, many many countries. It's been on over 200 TV commercials. It's actually on a TV commercial right now as we speak for a year in the in the UK with the Anthony Joshua, uh, the big boxer. Uh, um, with a, with a Lynx ad with a spray, and um, it's gone on obviously eight 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 Hollywood movies. You know, I mean, Dumb and Dumber one and two, Scooby Doo two, three, so many, many, many. So it just shows that you know we could be a part of the world. A little writer, singer from Hansworth, could be a part of the global stage. You know, what I mean, it's made me. A, so you know, and what what happens with them kind of big tunes? It brings even it's a fun tune. It brings then more fans to you, and then those fans start looking at your more serious work then. So it works. It's all win-win. And it's obviously an original song. So, you know, thank God it made me a little bit of money, especially in the lockdown with the TV commercial. Um, but yeah, um, it's it, that's how it goes. You know, it's a, so it's blessings from God. Blessings from God. Give me a big tune. Could have given me a few more, but yeah, man, the one is good. <laughs> seven, se- I mean, seven top... Seven top 40 hits in the UK. Um, the, you know, the music's taken me around the world eight times in 30 years. I'm celebrating 30 years. Um, uh, and as I said, those early blessings, the foundation people you have to lay before, that's what carries you. Just like, you know, when you're building your home, you're building your life. Those foundation years were important from, from artists, from sound systems, from community. And a lot of that has broken down. Community has broken down. Sound systems don't give you the platform. Music business has got harder. So I always believe in this coming... Let's come closer. You know, I, I don't know whether people know I have my own music academy uh, in the UK, as, as, so we can get we can talk about that where I'm helping young people. Yeah. So there's a lot to do. You know, once you have a name and and, and fame, there's things to do. Uh, but you know, I have to give thanks. Always give thanks on the journey and what it represents. Definitely, definitely. It's just crazy the whole experience and everything that you've lived. 
to see that you've had this massive, massive, massive song that just keeps giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. It's like commercials, movies, and everything. Tell me three of the craziest experiences that song has made you had when you were on the road, like three places where you said, holy smokes, I didn't really expect this one here. Uh, wow, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, uh, um, uh, not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> it it was just strange to hear the song played in you know in certain places like Philippines. That was so big in Philippines, Australia, Perth. I mean that song took me out of the box, took me to places where I never go. Um, it was great to see it performed by you know as I said before, some of my music is enjoyed by the reggae community, the black community, some of the by the Asians, some by both obviously. But this is the one song. I mean, others, but one song that's enjoyed globally. You could be enemies taking me right across South Africa, Africa, Kenya, Zambia. I mean. It's global. It's global. And and I think that, you know, the little stories of people telling me, especially in Canada, they said, um, I remember friends ringing me and they, ring, they, they live out, you know, in, in maybe areas where it's more dominantly white people. And they were saying to me, I felt so good going to the cinema and, and, and putting the movie on my friends and the incomes. Is, and I'm telling them, it's an Indian guy. It's my, say, what are from one of ours. So those kind of stories, you know, it means so, so much to me. And even stories where people have had mixed marriages, you know, black and Asian maybe. And someone said, why the parents never liked my husband? And But the music brought you closer because here's a mix of the music. The, the music mixes the culture. You know, it represents that culture of, of, of coming together and being different and, and respecting all people. And so it just did a lot. It did a lot more than I thought. So God uses us for those things. It uses us for the, but yeah, great stories. So many stories of what the music meant, um, especially for, you know, people from the reggae and the Asian, because they know it's hard to have to have a song in the national charts in this country. Or you know, you know, it's still a reggae. It's a reggae song. It's on the it's on the TV now. So anyone in the UK, we've been, we've driven you crazy every single channel for a year. So I think that now that's the longest running song, reggae song on on national radio and this in this on national TV in this country ever. Um, so big, big, big respects, big respects. So it means so much, so much, guys. And no, it means nothing without you guys supporting around the world. So I thank you for everyone that's listening and, and haven't switched off yet. <laughs> <laughs> and even when you, when it was in movies like Dumb and Dumber and stuff, how did that make you feel to know that, okay, this is my song in these massive movies, even Scooby-Doo soundtrack, it made a lot of sense to have it in the Scooby-Doo soundtrack because it has that type of feel to it. I get yeah, that hundred yeah. percent, but the yeah. dumb and dumbers, those ones, those ones are the real wild ones for me. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels great. I mean, Dumb and Dumber One, um, the whole movie starts off with the song, and they keep repeating the song for a couple of few minutes, and I'm thinking, wow. So, and I'm thinking, do these guys even know who I am? Probably not. One day I'm gonna ring Jim Carrey and say, you know what? And Twenty years later, they rang me, um, not Jim Carrey, but the same team rang me and said that song was so big in, in Dumb and Dumber One. Um, can we have it for Dumb and Dumber Two? And I thought, wow, so the song actually became a part of the movie, if you like. But people would stop me and say, they wouldn't say Apache or, 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 or Boom Shackler, they'd say, Dumb and Dumber. Dumb, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So it just, it just, I mean, and then they, people feel proud. You had a song on Dumb and Dumber, Jim Kit. And it means so much to people. It means so much to me, obviously. Uh, and to hear it again, you know, on the TV and, you know, as I said, movies still evergreen tune. It means a lot to my family, my kids that weren't even alive then. So, yeah, it, ju it just goes on. And that's, that's the beauty of a song. We still hear Bob Marley today. You know, you, you, you write great songs and, and the evergreen, um, they will be played. There's lots of songs that are out there. So people need to spend time on those songs, the vibe, the feel. Timing is, is key when you release those songs, what it represents, uh, and to capture the mood of a country and the feel, you know. 
so yeah yeah thank you thank you so much mm -hmm. okay you have hits and you have mega hits a lot of artists have hits but they don't have mega hits how much pressure does that put you put on you to come up with something like a boom shaka like a next song moving forward or for them to actually put you in a box and say hey this is all we want to hear from you yeah no you're absolutely right there, there, there is a once in the pre in the charts there's a lot of pressure to keep in the charts um i i never looked at it that way i mean i've had seven top 40 hits you know i've sold probably over 10 million albums of all the albums i've recorded uh, and coming from where i'm coming i'm happy you know what i mean you gotta you gotta give thanks but yeah at that stage people want more hits people say can you give me another chop there can you give me another boom shot i don't know i never understood what that meant how can you give somebody another boom shakalak how can you give somebody another? so songs are songs um uh, I, I will carry on recording songs. Some, some are bigger than others. We record songs because we love songs. Uh, the, if they go further, obviously it's great for us, but a lot of that is to do with the promotion, the videos, the campaigns. It's not sometimes just the song that, you know, so I don't judge music like that. Sometimes I hear how much Barry Salmon tune are here and it should be number one in the national charts, you know what I mean? Uh, or, or Frankie Paul, but they're just not in that system. So yeah, um, there's pressure and there's not pressure. I never looked at it as pressure. Just because I, I love what I do, it, everything's a bonus to me. Everything was great. And, and you think after everything that I've told you, and there's more that I can complain. But yeah, the re but the record companies, yeah, they, they, they put pressure on you to, to, to keep delivering those hits. They only want the hits eventually because that's where the money is for them. But the game's changed. The game has changed. So it's not about that anymore. It's not just about being the charts. It's about performing. Uh, we, we put a lot of emphasis on performing. So I, I'm a touring artist. So, you know, as I said, I've been around the world eight times. But if those artists now, this new generation living behind the screen and not performing or not getting those skills, um, you're not going to last. The, the, even the money's in the performance because they can download your music for free, but they can't watch your show for free in front of you. They have to pay the ticket to go in. So are you one of those artists that people can book you and, they will, and you can perform? Are all those followers that you have followers that people are going to buy your ticket to go and see you in concert so we have to get this right we can't live in la la land you know you have to work hard i love to see you know on the instagram someone performing live mm -hmm. as opposed to just the miming or just because I, I don't know what you know i don't know i don't know until we so on those global stages the waiting for performers i think a lot of emphasis is put on um everybody wants to be a star x factor everybody wants to be so you know we need to take a step back and, and concentrate on all those people that don't make the x factor what about the people that are not number one and i mean don't win so are they do they give up on their dreams have they you know some of them maybe thought that was their shot your shot is just to enjoy music and see where it goes love your music love your talent and feel your vibes and then see where it goes from there uh, and that's what that's what my mission is you understand. You totally get it. Okay. You said you're a touring artist. Okay. Tell me three of your most memorable experiences on tour and where did they happen? Wow. Okay. That's great. Uh, <laughs> I think one of the great, one of the greatest tours I did was Japan. So I got called to do reggae sun splash and do reggae Japan splash in Japan. We did, we did um, seven cities going this way with about 25 artists, everyone from Jamaica. And then there was another seven cities that way with another 25 artists and we all met in Tokyo with, with 100,000 people with all these artists and what happened was I was like number 15th on the, on the running in the day and I performed the first show Rita Marley and uh, I3s would close the show Shaggy would be on it Shaggy with some pliers I mean who, you name it uh, Freddie McGregor everyone was there and um, they said I think um, the Japanese said yeah Apache performed good so we want him to close a show with Rita 
we want him to be the one before the Bob Marley tribute. And I thought, wow, right. So not only am I the only British artist there, but I'm the only Indian British artist. So really at the, at the box uh, in front of all the biggest artists from Jamaica, uh, eight or nine band played in every show. Um, so I did then seven, six cities, I did uh, headlines. And then when I actually got to the final one with all the 25 artists, I said, okay, who do we want to headline next to Rita? It was Apache Indian again. And it was those kind of things that brought respect from the reggae industry, from the artists, and obviously the live band that said, yeah, Apache, uh, you take it this year. Every, every year somebody take it down. You take it this year. And you know what? They called me back the next year and I did the same thing. I did the same thing in 95, another seven cities, ended up in there, ended up headlining again. Um, same band, eight or nine. So big respect to the eight or nine band. So yeah, it was all, all, all about that. And those things that you can see on YouTube, it's, it's all there. But that was a great, great performance. Another one was India. So when I went to India and I did Delhi, um, 50,000 people. So people, you know who you are if you're watching this, 55,000 people, the Nehru Stadium. Um, they were so, so chuffed. I was number one, you know, I was number one all over the world and, and, and India. And they come, I was, cause I remember talking the language and I'm bigging up Jalandhar City and Punjab and everything. So I remember going to see, um, I, was, I was taken to see the prime minister of the country uh, in 1993 and Sonia Gandhi. Uh, and you, no one could see her because her, her husband got assassinated and you couldn't see her. So I was asked to see her and her sons and her daughters and all the kids in the, you know, in the palace. I said, well, these are kids too. We want all your autographs and have all these pictures with everyone. And then Sonia Gandhi's son, which, you know, he doesn't go out anyway. He goes, I want to come to the show. And I said, wow, well, the stadium is called after your dad, Nehru Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually asked him to disguise himself and come. Uh, and he did. He was right in the front row. He disguised himself and he came in. <laughs> right, right, uh, and he just wanted to be a part of the crowd. And, and no one ever, no one ever, I don't even think I've ever told that story. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, th these, these special moments kept me going. Um, I think, you know, the, the other one maybe was uh, my first performance with Supercat. And like I said before, that was a great way to start my career. I was nervous, mm -hmm. but Supercat, uh, uh, Shabba Ranks, uh, um, Frankie Paul, I mean, the whole of them, the blessings to get, you know, in the, in the, my first ever show. Um, so I think with those early blessings, it gave me the confidence, you know what I mean? Confidence. So yeah, those are the couple of shows, but there's many, I mean, Africa, there's so many stories from Africa for going, doing, doing, getting called to do Indian shows there, but all the black massive come and say, why Apache? What do you mean? You say you're not coming to do a dance with us, man. What do you mean? <laughs> so I literally, I woke up, they, they, they asked the promoters, say, can we do something with Apache? I says, yeah, they says, yeah. So I said, um, they said, yeah, man, we're going to take you to the dance. Tomorrow, I may say, yeah, all right. So they literally turned up my hotel mm -hmm. with a truck, with the sound at the back of the truck. And on the way, and they picked me up, and on the way to this dance, they're playing, playing, playing the sound. We strung up the sound. We had the whole session, wicked, wicked session, right in the ghettos there, Kenya. And then on the way back, they plugged in the cassette in the back of the truck, played the whole session in the truck and drove to the city and drove me back to my hotel. <laughs> you see them kind of things that, I mean, that real love and that vibe. And, you know, you can't do that in other countries. <laughs> I mean, just just a great, great respect. Um, and I, I know I would never forget. There's many stories like that. Um, but, yeah, that's what keeps me going. Keeps me going. Definitely. All right. There's a couple other stuff that you do because you're a very busy, busy man. All right. I just want right, to yeah. go through some of that because I know at one time you had a talk show called Real Talk. You had mm -hmm. you were the first Asian DJ to have a radio show on BBC. BBC Radio One. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, you opened up your academy, Apache Indian Music Academy. Mm -hmm. Um. 
there's so many things you do. How do you find time in one day to do so many different things? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I do. I mean, I do the things that I love. Uh, I go with my heart and I go with my soul. But you know what? Uh, eight years ago, I asked myself a question. I asked myself a question. I said, well, throughout my, throughout my whole career, I asked God this one question. Me and my God. I said, God, yeah, all good. Thank you very much. Very nice. Look at the blessings you give me. But you know that I'm not a man about the money or the fame or the music or the traveling. I'm, yes, the music, but the traveling and the global. You know, it wasn't really something that I, I had in my prayers and, you know, my dreams. So what, what is it? There's something missing. I'm not going to be happy. So I questioned this for many years. Eight years ago, I found the answer to give back. You have a name. You have a name. You have the fame. Then what? So just to cut a long story short, I went into, uh, I went back to my neighborhood where I was born, Hansworth in Birmingham. I walked into the big high, high college. There's a big college there called South and City College. It was there when I was born. I, uh, they have seven campuses, 22,000 students across the, country, across the city. I walked in there. I said, you know who I am. Uh, I like to try a thing. Uh, all I need is an empty room. They said, oh, really? Okay. So they gave me an empty room. Cut long story short, I put my studio in there. I literally opened the doors up to the community. People started walking in every Wednesday. I gave up a day of my life from morning to night. Come and see me, free of charge. I'll help you with whatever I can help you with. with this. So we ended up, you know, eight years later, we've helped thousands of young people. Uh, we've got 300 kids there um, that have never left. Uh, they've come through. We've got people jobs. We've got people back up the ladder, whether it's their first ID, you know, paid for. Where I've done it free of charge. I haven't asked for any funding. I've put my own money where my mouth is. Um, we've signed three people to international record companies because okay. I've got I've got connections around the world, obviously, from Hollywood to Bollywood. So they've been signed. Um uh, uh, we, we've got, as I said, we've got people jobs because I'm based in a college. We've got people back into education. And just that, from that Wednesday, we've changed so many people's lives. We deal with knife crime, gun crime. Just, you know, we, we've lost that sense of community, all the stuff that I talked before. So I wanted, it wasn't rocket science. We don't have the youth clubs anymore. We, everyone talks about cuts and funding and whatever. I just, what I, what my philosophy is, let's use what we've got. So we've got colleges that close at six o'clock, right? So what about after that? So there's your youth club. We've got facilities that we pay for as taxpayers, gymnasium, studios. So I said, well, someone actually told me, see all this equipment here and everything, even the chair, it belongs to you, Steve Apache. I said, why is that? They said, well, your people pay tax. So if you've got a better idea for me, you've got to run with your idea. Eight years later, we got voted the best group in the country by the National Diversity Awards in Liverpool. Every kid has been around the country. Um, I have my own AIM Academy now in Holland. Um, so we've set up MCAM in Holland. The next place is India, Jamaica. Uh, we'd love to bring it to Toronto. Just a concept where, you know, it, it's, it becomes a nucleus in that community that people can come homeless. We represent charities from Diabetes UK to mental health, to anxiety, whatever it may be, it's missing for those kids that are falling through the cracks. We talk about the rich, we talk about the people. What about the kids that just can't get up that ladder? Why, why, why can't we help them? What is it stopping you to get up there? She, and she will say, oh, I need ID because I can't open a bank account. Why can't you get ID? Well, it's going to cost me 50 pounds for my first license. So I've done that. So you look at every child as your own. Like, you know, you want them to win. Uh, and then with your name, I go out to, they call me Robin Hood. Instead of stealing from the rich, I go and ask the rich. I say, well, you know who I am and you support me, I support you. So somebody sends me 3,000 bottles of water every year for my kids. And somebody, so I'm saying that let's look at what we've got as opposed to what we haven't got. Let's help our young people. Let's use the name that we have. If we have a name or a radio station or a podcast or a platform.
that we what's it for it's not for ourselves is it it's 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 to help other people i certainly can help other people i certainly have changed people's lives and then i certainly found out the purpose of my whole life and my career it was about giving back and using my name now i feel so more happier that that you know it's the circle is fulfilled i know my mission uh, i've done what i've done and i can carry on doing what i'm doing and i am I, i've got new new music coming out new singles coming out but there was all this time to give back. It doesn't take much time to give back. You know what I mean? So we're dealing with, so it's the best thing I've done in my life. It made sense of my music, my career. Um, I, I would encourage other people to go out there and support their communities if they can. We work with the police. We work with all those things that they say, they cut NHS, all those things. We don't wait for a, a COVID. We don't wait for someone to get shot. We don't wait for someone to get stabbed. We do the pre preventative work help them before they get there to that crossroads where they go this way or that way so the, the work has been very intense i work with many other groups across, across the city from mental health to women's groups to alcohol abuse to um, drug abuse and um, there's so much stuff there's lots of great things but you know what we we, we we it's no time to brush these things under the table uh, it's time to speak we don't speak we don't speak as men we don't speak in certain communities we need to speak because it helps with mental health uh, and so those places have gone and uh, people are living, especially young people, it's hard for them. They're living almost like it's them against the world. Uh, and we didn't grow up like that. We grew up with watching hard work and being a part of a community. So you, you can't just keep pointing the fingers at the young people. You have to come halfway and meet them. What do they have out there? So unless you help them come over those hurdles, this is our next generation, <laughs> right? So, so we have to help them. These are our children now. So but we have a duty to help them and use the resources, use our experience and pass it on. And if we don't do that, I think, you know, a lot of them are, are losing direction, unfortunately. You understand, and especially somebody like you that's toured the world, you understand because you've seen it from so many different ways, places. Okay, you've seen it from the UK side. You've seen it from the Canadian side, the West Indies, India side. So somebody like you, I think, would be one of the best people to be in position to be more preventative, more than trying to cure it after the fact. Another thing that you had brought up earlier, and this was early in the conversation, but I know this mm -hmm. is something that you're passionate about right now, is your label and your sound system, Karma Sounds. That's okay. right. <laughs> is, this a new, is this a new remake of your old sound system or this is something new that you put together and your record label? Yeah, so uh, that's great. great questions. You've definitely done your homework there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the label... It, um, the name Karma Sounds has been around for a long time. It's a sound that I've had uh, for a while. I've played around the world here and there, but obviously, like I said, there's not enough time to do everything. Um, so my son has now a good age. Now he's 23. He's been touring around the world with me, DJ Raja. Um, so he's 24 years old. So he's kind of taken over the sound. So he says, Dad, yeah, okay, let me run the sound with you. So I mean, literally, he's gone around the world. We just come back from Miami. Um, we went to India, went to a lot of places. It's great to run the sound with him. We have lots of specials. And I'm just trying to show him the whole culture of sound again because, I, you know, I, I love sound. I love playing sound. Um, and I, we started building up the dub plates and the specials. Uh, and, yeah, man, I would love to go out there and, and, and yeah, not so much kill song, you know what I mean? Kind of, I just love the whole vibe of it. I think some of, it's, some of it's gone wrong. Like I said, there's no DJs, no MCs. There's a lot of swearing and shouting and all about what I would I go on. And I don't like it. I, so I don't want to enter that zone. But but I love the style. I, I I love the sound. I love what it can do. When you go to India and those places, India now is one of the countries where exploded with sound system. They have the on reggae sun splash now. Uh, Japan, um, Gawa splash. Uh, Hollywood artists have been there and Hollywood special. So again, you give it back to reggae. You give it back to the industry. Give it back to the arts. I love that 
Uh, but but it's like playing sound the old school way with mana DJ again on toast and peace and love and respect and you're not hearing so they're kind of behind but it's really for me that's the future you have to go back there one step back to take two step forward I, you know so I would like to play my sound like that um, and, and take that around the world it can't be any other way so yeah the sound the record label record label is very simple because you know what um, everyone's got their own little record label now it's not about the big it's not about the big majors it's about what you can do yourself. You can set up an online thing yourself now. It's very easy and very cheap to do it. It's, it's, it depends what you're putting out on that label. So I will be releasing a lot more music. There's a song coming out this Friday. It's a collaboration with Yami Bolo um, called No Mash Up The World, Beautiful World, No Mash It Up. Um, obviously, for things that are going around the world, we need music like that, inspiration. Yami's a dear friend. I worked with him before. So it's great to you know be able to call him in. Um, it definitely, I mean, it was like calling him in. He was calling me and said, Pachi, we have to do a song, you know, look what's going around the world. And you know, I mean, and that's literally where it comes from. And that kind of passion drives us to write a song like that. It's been played everywhere all over the world. It's my first release. Look out for that. Um, there's many more releases coming. Um, it's, it's just all the things that I, I wanted to do, but obviously the lockdown gave us that time. I released, I released a new album in November called What's Not To Love. Um, that's doing really, really well. So people, if you haven't heard that, watch that album. Great, great album went to number one everywhere again. So did really, really well. And it's almost like the young generation has, has come and they're rediscovering them songs again. So they're also looking for identity. So they're finding it. So I'm hearing songs that I haven't heard for 20 years. These kids are saying, oh, look at this one. I look at this one. And where the elder people have had it and they grew up and they're not listening so much to music maybe. So there's a whole new generation of fans. So I always work and I always talk and I always perform like you don't know who I am. So I want to impress you. I want to get you as a, into, it's a movement. The music is a movement for change. It's a movement to recognize change. It's a, mu a movement to recognize what we can do together. Um, that's why I call it a movement. You know, music is a movement. Uh, I've always called it that. And, and we're stepping up the movement because look what happened in the, in, in the world. I'm going to do that on my label, with my sound, with my academy, and make it more about people. It's not me. It's not now, look, you can see a team of people who believe in that same thinking, the thinking of one God, one unity, peace and love, not color, race, and things that are keeping us uh, divided. Um, bring back those things that keep us together. And music is such that it brings people together, right? That's how the academy works. So now that you have communities out there which are more diverse, in the UK we have people from Eastern European, lots of people from uh, Africa. So how now do you relate to these people? There's how many different religions and cultures to us? So before we had two or three, now we have 23. So unless you find a way to bring them together, music brings them together. Sport brings them together. So these are, those are the two things that you can kick a ball with somebody you don't even know you can't even speak the same language. You can play bass and drums with someone, but yo, you're in the same room. When you're on the street now, you can say, hi, I know him now. And that's what my, that's what my academy does. And once you bring it in, it reflects on your community. And we have to find, we have to find, we have to start doing things like that because unless you bring communities together, it could be trouble, more gangs, more divide, more, more, more ignorance, more racism. So I would love to come and in fact, I'm coming over to Vancouver very soon and i've been trying to talk to somebody in toronto to do exactly that to come and speak to people for an hour like a seminar then an hour of questions and answers with the community and then have a break and then end with a performance so i'm coming to you guys i'm coming to you guys yeah i want to talk to the community i want to talk to a diverse community from police to community leaders to people that and she like you said share share things from around the world and, and, and let's learn from each other that's what it's about yeah, well you know what, let's talk off the air and see how we could uh, yeah. actually make that a reality instead of a okay. thought. All right. Okay, great. Well, yeah, thank you.
good. Got two last questions for you before I get you out of here, okay? Okay. You worked with Supercat. Big, big, big dream. But then yeah. another person came along, Mr. Sean Paul. What was that like working with first Cat and then now with somebody like a Sean Paul? Wow. Yeah, Sean, <laughs> Sean Paul is incredible to work with. Wow. I mean, what a great artist. Um, I managed to tour with him in America, uh, a couple of shows there, Philadelphia as well. Um, yeah, I mean, just a very, very inspirational guy, just full of vibe and full of life. Uh, I never got to spend too much time with him. But um, I mean, he he loves it. I think where he's taking reggae music, I mean, there's not anywhere I can go without hearing a Sean Paul song. He's definitely taking it mainstream. Um, I just I just love his melodies. I love his songs. Uh, you know, he's always been inspirational to me. I would love to work with him more. Um, yeah, he's, I got him to tour in India, so they love him in India. Um, yeah, I mean, great. I mean, he's, he's take. I mean, I don't know. He's taking it to a different level everywhere I go. I hear Sean Paul. Um, so just just respect just just respect for him. I mean, he performs a lot of live performances. His live show is great, um, and just to hear from you know people you know who who don't even listen to reggae, they like Sean Paul. They know that name. You know, what I mean, so I mean, whoever's taken it further and further, it still comes back to the nucleus, which is reggae, right? So and he, and, and and his style is DJing from Supercat. His whole style is like a Supercat style. So again, respect to the Dan Dada. Every time I listen to him, I think a Supercat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, because because so look at look at that. That's a definitely a supercar inf- inspiration. That is crazy, crazy. Listen, we're in 2021, all right. So we're going to end this conversation on a super high note. You received the British Empire Medal for 2021, which is a new a New Year's honor for service to music and young people. All right, what was that like actually getting that medal? Out of all wow. the words you've ever received throughout your whole career, that one in particular, what was that like? Yeah, thank you so, so much for mentioning that. Great, a great question to end on. Um, yeah, I mean, what can I say? Uh, it's the highest medal that you can get. Uh, you know, I mean, in my life, in my, in my career, it's, a, it's the biggest thing I've ever achieved. It's, 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 a, it's a medal from the Queen, you know, British Empire medal from the Queen of England. And it's more like what it represents. So what she said that uh, it represents a 30-year journey of obviously a British Asian going out there waving the flag and you know representing culture, uh, and secondly, um, obviously the youth, which is very very important because that was the last eight years of my life intensely working with young people. But more than anything else, it says that it recognises that Apache Indian started a new genre of music. So that's a big statement to make. That's a big, big statement because that genre didn't exist. So when we're talking about the Indian and the Asian, the Bangra, call it what you like, it was had never been done before. So now, so so sometimes my music found a place here and there. Sometimes it went to no man's land because it didn't fit into the reggae or the Asian or the pop. Sometimes it was nowhere. But it definitely created a new genre because when I started, it was hip hop or Bollywood or reggae or raga. There was no this, none of this fusion, Bangra, it was nothing. So now they've traced it back and they realized that actually it started from movie of India and Chuck there. The guy started a new genre. So that it was a birth of a new genre. It made it official. I've had lots of messages from around the world, especially the young Asian kids that said, listen, we can, you know, you've got the stamp from the queen. So it, it means so much to say that we started a genre. Maybe it'll be more important in years to come because a genre represented, as I said, a personal jo- journey and a, and a story. It wasn't a formula. It means so much. I, we will be going to Buckingham Palace in April. We, we're going to take Karma Sound System right there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, to go to walk into you know uh, Buckingham Palace, you know, as as a, with the RAS as well, we're going there and you know, represent a reggae and culture and diversity and pick up that medal and take it back home, take it to India, take it to Toronto. We're sharing this with the world. It means so much to everyone that's helped on the journey. Um, and, and as I said, it, it's all about giving back. 
So if it represents all that, I'm, I'm definitely going to be collecting that. And some people say, well, you can't get anything from the Queen, you know, because of this, that, and the other. I say, listen, if you want to bring change, there's no point shouting from outside this, the castle. You have to go inside and reason that thing, man. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, even with education, I work in a college, but I'm not a teacher. So when I worked in the, uh, you know, I did lots of things I didn't like about the education system and people complaining about teachers like this. That. I got myself in the education system to the youth club, but they then employed me to help with their kids because it's a new it's a new style of teaching now. Maybe the old style doesn't work anymore. So that's what I'm saying, people. You know, if you come forward with some ideas, the world needs your ideas. The world needs to listen now to us, needs to listen to the younger generation, um, uh, and, and especially after the year that we've had. So I am now going to be using my British medal to, you know, it's given me more confidence to say I'm doing the right thing. I'm going to do more. Uh, my voice got louder. I got more things to say. Um, and, and the kids feel proud of it. You know, the feel, kids are so, so proud of the award themselves. And it's opened up a lot more doors for me. So I'm definitely going to come to Toronto. I'm definitely going to be coming to see you. I'd like to speak to you off air about what we can do. Um, but there's more work to do. I say to people, don't get comfortable in your little lives, people. Because there's things to do. We haven't been in these in, in these countries for long, and already man, I get comfortable. There's things to do. There's things to achieve. People say, "Why, why don't you relax, Apache? You've done your thing." No, the journey has just started. I've proved to myself who I am. I realize what my journey is, but now I know what my mission is the bigger mission, uh, and unity is strength. So I'm asking people now to come together with those ideas. It's not just me. Stop, step on the platform like what you're doing today. And hopefully the listener out there is inspired to reach out. If you're a young person, you can get in touch with me right now, AIM Academy. Look out, look out for it right there on social media. If you send me a message, I will reply. I will help you. I'm a young person. I'm learning my thing. Tell me that you've taken it as far as you can first. Don't just, and come with your manners and respect. My academy is built on manners and respect, and that takes you around the world. It's not just your talent. You come with your manners, respect, you be on point, respect for people, wanting yourself to win, wanting other people to win, and together we all win together. You know what I mean? We, 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 and be free through music. Don't let anyone hold you back. Do the right thing. Be the right person. Do your best. You don't have to be the best, but just do your best in life. Share, care, and we will get so, so far that um, I think people will be surprised what we can do when we're really supporting each other. I think black communities, Asian communities have a lot uh, more need to work together every time we hear why now support me again and so on so everyone says the same thing you know we really need to put our issues aside the world changed people are dying this is a matter of life and death now it's not a joke business we're, we're uh, you know places like toronto and, and england have they had their best days some people say england's had its best days time to leave and go back home did our parents come here to did our parents come here to live or to, to, or to make money or to have a better life for us. What's the better life for our children? So we have to still ask questions. We have to still see if we, you know, we're still seeing arguments about racism on a, on a global level. We're still seeing Black Lives Matter. We're still seeing, you know, things are going on in India. So the world is not calm, people. So you have a voice. You don't have to be an artist to have a voice. You have a voice as a human being. Uh, and make your voice heard. Make your, make your views heard. But, but as I said, the one man shouting don't work no more. That unity is strength and, and you can change the world and the unity that we just saw in america with the, the trampling of the capital one it, it just shows where people's minds are if you aggravate people if you, if you if you feed them things it goes wrong so there's always a place for bad people to go where do good people go that's right? the, that's the question that's really the question 
That's the question. You understand. That's the question. <laughs> Boss, great, great, great conversation. If they want to check out anything you have going on, the Academy, all the million stuff that you're always doing, leave some info so they can check you out online or anything. Yeah, Apache Indian HQ. That's all the social media. AIM Academy is AIM Music Academy. Get in touch with people. But Apache Indian HQ, uh, Instagram in particular, I answer it myself. You send me a message, I guarantee you I will reply. If you don't ask the question, you won't get the answer. Let's work together. There's a lot of things to do. I am coming over there. I think it's June. I'm already booked to come over there to Vancouver. So if anything, we're just waiting for the doors to open. So once that's open, I would love to. I'm not leaving Canada without coming to Toronto. I'm not coming, leaving without seeing new muscle. I'm not. what a great conversation very very inspiring i can only thank you so so much for sharing that love and you know and 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 all the people listening thank you from our heart and soul and hopefully we can continue and come back and have round two again and updates you know it's not just about the one thing there's many things to discuss Mm -hmm. many things you understand yeah you many things mr dan raja aka apache indian get us out of here with a boom shakalak muscle dub plate style Boom shakalakwa muscle head one right here from Apache. You know, so we, we say, wind your body, wriggle your belly, dip and go down in the new style. You see muscle head up, my everybody. And anytime come, I say, big and ready. You hear it from the Dana with the wild Apache. Me say, string down your sound, <laughs> pack it back down. You know, muscle head, I say, they are in town, pick it up, sound boy, run them out. At- Yo, boom shakalakwa. <laughs> Big respect, man. <laughs> Thank you so, so, so very much. Listen, let me give you an ultra and get you out of here because this conversation was definitely one for the books. All right. Respect, sir. Thank no you. problem. Thank you. Outro time. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this has been another Two Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast, and we are out. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusichut.com.